Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every day, just about 13 minutes long or so, but it gets us into God's Word every single day, seven days a week, and that helps us to stay strong and even grow stronger in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Help people in your life grow stronger in their faith, help them come closer to God, help them begin to focus more diligently upon their soul's salvation by sharing these short studies with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. Share with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing for them and for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study. We're coming toward the end of this. We're talking about getting to heaven. And we're asking specifically, do all roads lead to heaven? Well, we looked at this from a practical perspective just by using the illustration of if you're going someplace from wherever it is you live, maybe it's in the city of Omaha, maybe it's in Chicago, maybe it's in New York City, maybe it's in Atlanta, Georgia, maybe it's in Minneapolis, Minnesota, you can name the place. But let's say you're going to go someplace, maybe over to Los Angeles, California, or San Francisco. Well, from any of those locations that we named, which way are you going to go? Does it matter which way you're going to go? Are you going to either pull out an atlas and then select the road that's going to get you to that destination, or maybe you're going to pull it up on Google Maps or something like that, and and they're going to direct you along the, the safest and quickest route to get there? Or are you just going to take off in any direction? We know the answer, don't we? Of course, we're going to plot out our course. We want to go in the direction that's going to get us to the destination we're desiring to get to. Well, that's practical, isn't it? Common sense. In fact, we don't even think about any other possibility. We don't think about if we're in any of those cities that we've mentioned heading off to the East Coast to get to Los Angeles, California. (laughs) We'd never get there. We're not going to go south, just due south, straight south, and never veer off to the west at all because, again, we're never going to get to the destination we want to get to. We understand that. Well, why then does it make any sense whatsoever to have the idea that all roads lead to heaven? Doesn't matter which way we go. We're all just going in a different direction. Wait a minute. Different directions end up in different locations, different places, different destinations. Jesus broke down the only two spiritual pathways through life in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. He said, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, that is to heaven, and few there be that find it. And he contrasted that with broad is the gate, wide is the way, or wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, eternal condemnation in hell, and many there be who go down thereat. Well, so he says, there is one way that leads to eternal life in heaven, And that's the straight and the narrow way of the truth of God's word, living by his teachings, the Bible. The other way 
anything you want to do, no restrictions, no guidelines, but you're not going to end up in heaven. You're going to end up in eternal condemnation and hell. Now, that is the same principle as we would use to say, I want to get to this destination somewhere in the country. I'm starting from this location. I've got to take the route that's going to get me there. I can't just go off in any old direction that feels good to me. We understand the principle. It is even more important that we live by that when it comes to our spiritual lives. We want to get to heaven. We've got to go the right way. Well, When man sinned in Eden 4,000 years before Christ, God began in earnest to prepare for the church to be that family, and that's really what the church is, the family of God, through which people can come to forgiveness and salvation in Christ Jesus. 3,000 years before Christ, he prefigured the church in Noah's ark, Genesis chapter, chapter 6 through 9, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. You think about the, the ark being that vehicle through which God saved humanity in the person of Noah and his family. And 2 Peter chapter 3 and, and, and verse 21 you know, Peter said that, that it is baptism that also saves us. And he's been talking about the ark and being saved through water, that is the family of Noah, and then he makes the application to being baptized into Christ. And so he says uh, it's through baptism that, that we're saved. I said, I said uh, Second Peter, I believe, First Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. And so he says the like figure even... Uh, even baptism doth also now save us, King James Version. Well, I want to now make the application. When we're talking about do all roads lead to heaven, what about all those churches that teach, and we're talking really about denominationalism here, they would all claim to be Christian, but they're teaching doctrines that contradict one another. And so many of the doctrines contradict what is laid out for us in God's word. Do all roads lead to heaven? Well, let's talk about that subject of baptism. There are churches who call themselves Christians that practice sprinkling and pouring and even rubbing some water on a person's forehead, if I understand that correctly, and they call it baptism, sprinkling, pouring, but then, what does the scriptures actually teach about baptism? In Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, the apostle Paul wrote this, or verse 4 rather. He says, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, what do you do when you bury someone or something? You don't sprinkle a little dirt over them or pour a little dirt over them. You completely cover them up in the dirt. You put them in the ground or in the tomb, and you're, they're completely covered. We look also at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. The apostle Paul wrote here similarly, buried with him in baptism. 
in which you also were raised with him through the faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, what happened to Jesus? And these are the, this is the comparison Paul's making in both of those texts of Scripture. Jesus died on that cross. He was buried in that tomb, completely sealed, covered up. Then he arose from the grave. He came forth from that grave. In baptism, Paul is, is using the comparison there and the parallel on a spiritual level to what Jesus actually went through on a physical level, being buried in that tomb and coming forth, risen from the dead, Paul says we're buried with him in baptism. And then we are raised up. We come up out of that watery grave, reborn spiritually. Well, what about those churches that practice some other form of baptism. It's not what the scriptures teach. You'll never find anywhere in the New Testament, speaking of the church that Jesus established on this earth, practicing sprinkling or pouring for baptism. The very word means immerse, bury, plunge, submerge, dip, That's what the word that is transliterated from the Greek into the English as baptize, that's what it means. In fact, there was one account, an historical record of a ship sinking, and the the record says it was baptized. (laughs) We understand what that means. Well, then pouring and sprinkling, that's not scriptural baptism. And what about those denominations that claim that a person does not have to be baptized to be saved. All they have to do is believe in Jesus. Well, what did Jesus say? As he was ready to ascend back to heaven after his resurrection from the tomb, and after having appeared risen for a period of 40 days, he tells the apostles in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Did we get that? He put salvation after baptism or through baptism. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Now, there is no grammatical way to change what that says and still be true to the grammatical structure of his instruction. And as we read a moment ago, Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21 that baptism doth also now save us. Now, is it just the act of baptism? It's, it's being obedient to our Lord and Savior who instructed that it is through baptism that we come into salvation in him. What about those churches that believe you don't have to be baptized to be saved, but what does baptism What happens to us in baptism? Well, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, when many of the Jews on Pentecost asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? They had just heard the gospel preached to them by Peter. And so he responded, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord, in the name of, of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He told them at baptism, your sins are going to be washed away. 
In fact, when the Lord himself sent a Christian man named Ananias to teach Saul of Tarsus the gospel, he came to Saul and said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. Acts 22 and verse 16. Well, so any baptism that says it's not necessary for forgiveness, it's not necessary for salvation, is a false baptism. It's a baptism that is not in keeping with the baptism taught in the New Testament scriptures. And again, what else happens in baptism? We're born again spiritually. When Nicodemus came to see Jesus, and I think we're to understand secretly because it says at night, he, at least in some form, confessed Jesus, at least faith in Jesus. And what did Jesus say to him? In verse 3, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 3. Nicodemus was confused. He, he asked Jesus, uh, can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He was thinking about physical rebirth. And, and of course, that's not possible. But Jesus clarified in verse 5, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is talking about at baptism, through baptism, we are born again spiritually. Born again. So what do the scriptures teach about baptism? It is a burial in the water, completely immersed It is at that point that the blood Jesus shed on the cross cleanses us from the guilt of our sins, washes them away. It is at that point that we are born again spiritually. And it is also at that point that we come into Christ. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, Galatians 3 and verse 27, both have that phrase, baptized into Christ. Now, any denomination that teaches some other kind of baptism is teaching error, falsehood, biblical error, because what they're teaching contradicts what God's Word teaches. Not all roads lead to heaven. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand the truth of your Word and to stay true to that truth, to live by it to apply it to our lives accurately, effectively, and consistently, and help people everywhere to open up their eyes to the truth of your word. Help us to understand the truth of baptism, what it is, how it is, and why it is. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.